when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friend. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increase in amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, this is Buck Wolf, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. We are actually honored to have this gentleman on the phone now. He is no stranger to the game of baseball, whether he's an analyst or managing in the dugout. Buck Showalter, how you doing, sir? How you doing? You staying safe up over there? How's life? Oh, trying to stay safe as possible, that's for sure. How about yourself? Yeah, you know, we're here in Texas. Uh, uh, it's... Uh it's a different world we're all living in right now, it's just, but uh, as they said, the two shall pass. I try to keep that in mind. Yeah, that's that's for sure. But I want to jump right into 
baseball with you. Obviously, first and foremost, what in the world is going on with your take, anyway, with trying to set up the schedule, but the players complaining about money, and you've seen these kind of labor disputes throughout your years in the game. What's your take currently? Well, you know, that's, a, that's about an hour long. You know, we all have some personal feelings that don't necessarily in today's world help putting them out there. But, uh, you know, I went through the strike of 94, and and uh, sometimes I wish I could get everybody in a room that went through that strike in 94, 95. Uh, I know talking a lot of the players looking back at it and the owners, I, I think you'd have a whole different sense of urgency about it if, if you went through that. It was it was just awful, and it was. It took us so long to get the fans' trust back, and uh, it, it took a long time, almost till the playoffs. And you know, we had a really good club in '94, and you know, they pulled the plug on it. And we spent the whole. We went to camp with the replacement players the next next year. It was awful. But uh, well, I tell you, usually, usually when somebody said it's not about the money, it's about the money. You know, there's. You know, it's it's like I ask players sometimes. I go, how much is enough? You know, when you I've been fortunate enough to make a lot of money in a given year, and it's sinful. You know, I look around and I can go in Target or Walmart get anything I want to. I, I'm okay with life. So I just, you know, sometimes I, I just hope that everyone's got the soul of baseball's best interests in mind because I, in today's world, I'm not sure how much injury. It can withstand. It's a great game, and it seems to always come back as much as we try to shoot it. But this one's got a. This is a whole different environment, and I hope everybody understands that. Yeah, and and I get certain guys who've expressed their concerns for their personal well-being and everything else like that. But do you think you said it there in the answer? Do you think we can get the fans' trust back when the game does come back? Yeah, if we get back playing the game, you know, right now it's 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 a health factor, and uh, you know I understand those precautions, uh, you know, completely. Uh, but the issue is going to be if uh, football and hockey and the NBA get back on and moving, you know, professional golf moving a little bit, and we're, it's still to be seen if it can withstand, uh, you know, some of the. Yeah, you know, they're going to have some some bumps along the way. There's going to be some people test positive. There's going to be a lot of things go on that are a reflection of our society. But if these other sports get on, get back in some form of action, and baseball's not, that's not going to bode well. People, there's a lot of things pulling on people's times. And I think one thing this awful virus has done is made people realize. You know, you go around, people are riding bikes, they're walking with their families, their kids are playing in the front yard, and I think people are kind of going, you know what, there's another side of life that I need to slow down and, and take a look at. So, you know, the, you can't take uh, fans, fandom, so to speak, for granted, and I just hope we don't. Well, another black, sort of black eye, I guess, the game before we had real life step in here with this virus and everything is the stuff that went on and was discovered during the offseason with Houston. From what I heard, you actually were interviewed for the job. Is that going to hurt game-wide or just the fans of, let's say, Houston? Well, I think the Astros may have caught a little, if there's one, I, I don't even want to call it a positive, but call it a sidebar, this, it's taken a lot of, uh, of the microscope off of them. And, it, frankly, some other clubs, you know, the Red Sox got slapped and there was a lot of talk about some other clubs, but 
uh, it's taken a lot of that focus off there, and they might have caught a break with it. But, you know, that part of it, everybody, I don't, you know, I think everybody that's been in the game will say they don't mind you trying to get an edge. You know, you, you watch third-base coaches, you watch guys who might do things with their glove or their or their delivery that tips off pitches, and you study that, and you're constantly trying to pick up information to give you an edge. But, you know, when you're doing it the way they did it, that's, that's something that people are, are going to always uh, frown on. And, you know, I think it's a reflection of some of, some of the differences in the way the game's being played now. Uh, it's just uh, there's a lot of mechanical um, uh, analysis, and everybody's trying to get an edge and bring something that by not having a career or having played the game on the field, they're trying to bring something else. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, pressure for those guys to try to make and, and women to make an impact, you know, on the game in some other fashion. Well, for, how about for somebody like yourself who's had over 1,500 wins in a game and played in the minor leagues? So you had a career with the game on the field. So how did you try to uh, really look at getting an edge on your without being considered cheating? Well, we 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 tried to do it by outworking somebody or out preparing somebody or you know it's, it's called an advanced scout who picks up maybe some signals that a Third base coach, some third base coaches might drop their head when there's a live sign on uh, certain pitchers may flare their glove on a changeup. There's a lot of different ways you do it by studying and working and, and word of mouth. There, you know, there's no secrets in baseball. You know, everybody in the world knows, you know, everybody suspected Houston of that for years. They just couldn't, you know, there wasn't a, uh, any real evidence. And, you know, people, anytime someone's winning, you know, you try to look through the first thing is there's some professional jealousy. You say, okay, people are just jealous of them. And then the more you see certain things happen, there's certain things you look for. Um, but, you know, if, you know, the bottom line is, you know, outworking people. You, you want hard work and talent to be rewarded. And the, and the fans need to trust that when a team's good, they're good for the right reasons. And speaking of being good for the right reasons, you, I thought you caught lightning for a little while there during your eight years in Baltimore and where you risen through the ranks there. What was it about so special about Baltimore? And Because you hear things about the management there, but for you, what really made that rise in the game there? Well, you know, I'm very proud of the eight and a half, eight plus years. I was there for part of the ninth season, and I understand the shelf life of, managers and head coaches in today's world society that those that just won't happen much anymore uh but uh you know the one thing i really wanted to do when i got there and i had some good people around me and my timing was great we've had some good drafts because we've been so poor Andy mcfell and his front office were really had positioned us well and but i wanted to make sure that we all understood who we were and who we weren't you know we couldn't be the new york yankees we couldn't be the boston red sox we didn't have that type of payroll where we could outspend people and, and sign whatever free agent we wanted. So we had to be willing to do things that other people weren't willing to do. You know, our farm system, uh, we looked for certain type players that fit the mode of how we had to play the game to compete with those guys. And I got to tell you, our four or five years competing with those guys in our division is something that, you know, we were all very proud of because we went after certain types of players you know, I call it the sixth tool, and that's why I think more mistakes are being made on player evaluation any time I can ever remember in baseball because 
these a lot of these teams don't have many people boots on the ground to understand how to evaluate the six tool, which is makeup and and just you know is their finger going to shake when it's when it's time in the ninth inning to make a make make a tough play and you know it's just certain things you look for and evaluate to put those people around you you know you look at a JJ Hardy and a Nick Marcakis and an Adam Jones and a Steve Pierce and a Matt Weeder and uh, John Scope, Manny Machado, they brought a lot of things other than just playing the game. And uh, they really wanted to be part of a team in a sport that's really extolling the virtues of individualism nowadays. Well, obviously, it's, I, I'm one of the guys who would believe it takes somebody like yourself with experience in the game to really – focus and make it successful team. However, how difficult was it for you to fully make decisions? Were the general managers, not just in Baltimore, but throughout your career, hands-on, or did they just let you do what you needed to do? No, it was a partnership. The great the, the great organizations have a general manager and a manager that are, are partners and ownership. You know, you, and that's what, you know, when I was in New York, I had Gene Michael, and uh, he had managed and he had coached. Uh, in the big leagues and played, and you know he had a relationship with our ownership, and uh, we we both were partners in that. When I went to Arizona, I, I was there with with Joe Garagiola. I was lucky in Texas to be with John Hart and you know Andy McPhail and, and Dan Duquette there in in Baltimore. And it, it, you know the, the great organizations are a partnership. If they're just looking for somebody to write the lineup down just like you want it, don't expect that guy to have any any respect at all in a clubhouse. And you're around these players for seven days a week for over 200 games, counting spring training. Uh, there are no secrets, and all you know, all things get exposed, real or, or phony. So it's a that's why it's a great sport. You play it every day. There are no Cinderellas in baseball. And well, you know, whether you're playing 50 or 60 games this year, we're all going to be playing the same number of games. You know the job description going in. You better be ready to go from the get-go if they play. Yeah, and that's what the side you're hearing from the union, at least. But you mentioned your time in New York, and obviously throughout the years, while he was still alive, you heard George Steinbrenner always tend to be a hands-on, like, say, where you're at in Dallas, uh, Jerry Jones with the Cowboys in football. Did, was that something that would get under your skin, though, even though it is a partnership? But, hey, let me do what you hired me to do. God, I remember, I, I really believe this. You know, I knew the job description going in. I'd been there for, I was with the Yankees for 19 years. And the one thing fans didn't want to hear anybody complain about it. He owned the club. I don't know about you, but I don't have enough money to buy the Yankees. So he does I have don't. the right to have, to have some say in it, you know. And, he, you know, he does have some right to ask some questions when things don't work out well. But you need a bunch of people around you that have the same, you know, the thing that Parcells said years ago is very, true you know you want me to put, cook the meal but you don't want me to pick the groceries you know your coaching staff and the players around you so it's a collaborative effort and you're always looking at things through the same eyes you know how do we get to the finish line here how do we you know how can this guy make us better but you know to use ownership or something yeah i i enjoyed the fact that he cared so much and wanted to win every day everything we did he was very much in tune with it did he get frustrated yeah did i get frustrated sometimes sure but I knew we, we shared a similar ilk about what we wanted the Yankees to be about. And when I started managing that club, it had been a long time since we had been competitive, and that was a lot of fun there. 
Yeah, because it was for a while there. Prior to you arriving, there was a carousel of managers in and out and everything else like that. But on the other side of things, you spent many years as an analysis for many different networks: ESPN, MLB, Yes Network, all that stuff. Who is really when you look at the game from an outsider perspective, not managing? Who are you really impressed with? What we've seen so far? Are you talking about uh, broadcasters? No, no, in, as far as guys on the field right now. Oh, I, uh, you're talking about managers? I, I, I really hate to single anybody out. I don't know what well, we're Well, I was, I'm thinking more about players. Oh, there's a lot of good players out there. You know, it, yeah. the game's being played at a high level. It's just so, it's such, you know, everything's on tape, everything's scrutinized. You know, we all talk about the great Willie Mays catch years ago. But there's catches similar to that being made every night. These guys are unbelievable, the things they can do. You know, I, uh, I'm i a, a big fan of, uh, of people whose, uh, you know, their their style is their substance. A guy like Derek Jeter's, you know, his substance was his style. He didn't have to go around thumping his chest and telling everybody, showing, trying to make people look at how good he is. He always wanted to pick, a fit into a team scheme. We had a guy... Adam Jones, Nick Markakis were like that in Baltimore. We had a bunch of them. Uh, Matt Williams, when I was out in Arizona, was that type of guy. Um, Steve Finley was a great center fielder, probably as good as I've had. But, you know, you're lucky to have those guys pass your way. And there's some good managers. I, I love Bob Melvin out in Oakland. He doesn't get the, a lot of the uh, stuff he deserves. He's special to watch him manage a game. And, you know, he doesn't miss anything. There's a lot of guys like that, I'm sure. I just, you know, it's a little, they're looking for a little different job description with most managers these days. Well, last question for you, and I know I brought this up in the beginning of this, but I know you were, uh, your name was kicked around for Houston, but also where I'm currently at in the Philadelphia area, your name was kicked around when you left uh, Baltimore. Do you see yourself getting back in and managing before it's all said and done for you? You know, then maybe one more time, who knows? That's not my decision. Um, you know, I feel great, as good as I've ever felt. I don't, you know, I think they hired, made a great hire in Joe Girardi. I thought they made a great hire in Dusty Baker. I did interview both places, and I think Joe's a great fit there in Philly. I think Dusty's perfect. Dusty's good for any hire. And uh, I'm just glad to see both those guys getting off too. But talking about jobs that people currently have, I've always had a problem when somebody's either working on the next job or talking about a job that somebody currently has. It's just not very ethical, but... You know, we'll see. Baseball's been great to me and my family. It's afforded me an opportunity. Mr. Steinmeier let me take care of my family for 19 years with the Yankees. I'll always be grateful for that. And it's taking me places that a small-town boy never thought he'd be. You know, we'll see where it, it takes us. I'm a fan of the game. I really want to, us to get a good game back on the field at the right time. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, smarter people than me uh, figure it out. Well, you say that, and last, last question. Do you uh, see us having a baseball at some point this year? You know, I, you know, obviously the answer is I hope so. Uh, going back and forth, usually um, sometimes every once in a while, do you ever think maybe we should just start over in February from the get-go? And uh, sometimes I think uh, that might be better. Uh, you know, what happens after the novelty of playing five first five games this year and someone – and people are complaining or the players or the owners aren't happy with it. I don't know. Are we going to damage the game by playing 50 or 60 games? I don't think so. 
I think when push comes to shove, they'll play some form of a season. How's that? But I uh, what? What's for me? I sometimes, I sometimes wonder if we should just start fresh in February. I don't know. What do you think? As a sports junkie, I definitely want to see the game played, whether it's 50 or 60 games or we wait till February. I somebody It's people smarter than me above my pay grade that uh, would figure that stuff out, as long as it's good for everybody across the board, whether it's health-wise, financially, whether, whatever angle you look at. You know what you find out, man? We talk about uh, smarter than us and pay grade and all that stuff, but if you really look at it with common sense, it's usually the best way to look at these things. You know, what's best for the game, and can we all just survive on more money than we ever dreamed we'd make? Okay, so God bless everybody, and stay safe. fun talking to you. The Wiz Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the new... Wow! Thinking your day is bad and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts there's bound to be injuries. <laughs> now that's what I call depressing. It's going to make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope want to jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend while in Sail Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. <laughs> Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub, or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, 
odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Hi, I'm Bill Ripken, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. 